For 25 years, Christ Faith Tabernacle has spread across the globe, empowering the saints for the season of the Lord's return. This season has arrived. Join Apostle Alfred and Reverend Pierre Williams in this year of God's glory as we celebrate the Christ Faith Tabernacle 25th year jubilee from the 23rd of February to the 1st of March. Our name shall be great. Nation will come out of us. The Lord has blessed us and nobody can revoke it. Be empowered alongside ministers from across the globe to walk in the miraculous, see healings, miracles, signs and wonders in your ministry. Come and celebrate 25 incredible years that have seen Christ Faith Tabernacle spread across the globe, meeting dignitaries and changing nations. You are healed right now in the name of Jesus by the blood of the risen Lord. Let them see Jesus shine through your life like never before. And you are bulletproof as long as you are walking under the covering of the Almighty. You got to know that God has set you apart special. God is very, very smart in every little thing. The Christ Faith Tabernacle Silver Jubilee. Leadership training daily. Power Miracle Nights every evening from 7 p.m. And the official dedication of the incredible CFT Cathedral Woolwich on Sunday, March the 1st at 4 p.m. The venue, CFT Cathedral, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE 18, 6NL. Visit cftchurches.org or call 020-8316-2332. told you that Jesus said in John 17, from verse 18, 17, it says, um, Sanctify them by your word, by the truth, your word is the truth. And then in 18, he said, As the Father sent me, I sent you. So we are sent like Jesus. There's no distinction between us, no difference between us and Jesus Christ. When angels look at us in our mission, what is available to Jesus is available to anyone that Jesus has sent. We have equal treatment. Okay? In the face of the Father, we have equal position in sending. Because the Son received it and gave it to His brothers. So God does not treat you different from Jesus Christ when it comes to sending you out. Now, this is I'm telling you we change the orientation of many ministers in the world. Because Satan has invaded us, and that's what we're going to look about this morning. Satanic operations of the last days. But if you look at this, you need this basic people we'll move on to that. If you recognize that there's no difference between you and Jesus Christ when it comes to going out, then you have no reason to be afraid. Because Jesus will never be afraid to deliver the message to anybody under heaven. You have no reason to fear death or fear killers or fear anybody. They can't touch you because they can't touch Jesus. And so, because you need those two things, and we looked at uh, Moses, when Moses got the revelation in chapter 33, I always say to all ministers in the globe, if a minister pray all prayers in this world, if he did not pray those three prayers, he missed it. When people ask me, what can I do? How can I pray to develop myself? I tell them, just two, three, pray it only and that's it. It's similar to the book of Ephesians chapter, chapter 1 verse 18 that uh, Kenneth Hagin spoke about. All those Ephesians prayer 17 and 18, they are in this exodus. When Moses has seen wonders, has seen miracles, water from the rock, quail from heaven, you know, 
mountain filled with glory. He recognized that he had not known God yet. No matter how manifestation you see in your life, you are just beginning. God is beyond what you have ever seen. Remember I told you that yesterday? That is the appetite that opens the eyes of man to see angels. Okay, when you really fall in love with that, and you really seek after that, then angels will appear. You cannot pray angels to appear. They will never answer your prayer. Angels cannot answer the prayer of man. Neither can man command angels to do anything. They will not obey you. Angels obey the beatings of God only. So when we command, we don't command angels. I've had, let me correct this, I had some Americans say that you can send your angels to go and do this. They are liars, bunch of liars, people who never saw angels before. They don't even know who angels are. Angels don't answer man. The Bible says, praise ye the Lord, ye his holy angels, who obey his bidding. They don't obey the bidding of man. But how could angels associate with man? When man entered the shoes of Jesus Christ, angels have them. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? For you to be served, you must be in a place of service. Are we together now? So it is your understanding and working in these principles that will bring angels to serve you. Because as God sent Jesus, Jesus sent you. So if you are going like Jesus, angels will serve you. And if you walk in your heart like Jesus, angels will reveal themselves to you. They will manifest around you. All right. The second prayer that Moses prayed was verse 15 and 16. Verse 13, he prayed, Teach me your ways, O God, that I may continue to know you and continue to find favor before you. So we understand by his first prayer that for a man to have favor before God is not by confession. You may confess and bless and highly favored two million times a day. That doesn't make it happen to you. To have favor before God is, verse 13, to know the ways of God. Teach me your ways that I may have favor. So we understand the condition for man to have favor is to know the ways of God. And the, the area of your life in which you know, know the way determines the area of your life in which you can have favor. That's the reason why Christians that could be ministers who are financially bankrupt, but they can see the, the spiritual realm like they are seeing physically. And the example of that is the prophet who died in death, who was a friend of Elisha. Alright? So in the sphere of favor, favor comes by knowledge. And the knowledge of God in the circumstance. Then the second key point he prayed is, let your presence go with me. If you look at 15 and 16, he says, if your presence doesn't go with me, how will people distinguish me? So, to distinguish a, a believer from a non-believer, it is the presence of God. It is the presence of God. We pray for it. We have it, but we still pray for it. Because we have it, but we need it more and more. Because someone says, that, why should you pray for it when Jesus said he has given you? Jesus began the prayer in chapter 17. Glorify thy son. After God had glorified him. He still prayed that the father should glorify the son. Do we get it now? So we must pray for those things. Any promise of God, we must pray for it. So therefore, the presence of God is what matters. Let me say this to you. I think I need to help us understand this. The presence of God can be invoked by three things. 
One, by prayer. It's a systematic, continuous life of prayer. I'm not talking about prayer when you have problems, you go and pray. That's not it. It doesn't bring presence. It brings manifestation of God answering, having mercy. But if you want to carry presence, you must build a boot, a prayer point, where you pray regularly. And the prayer you go to pray is seeking the face of your father. I tell you and I beg you to do it. God is easy to serve and is easy to know. He's the easiest being under heaven. You must build a boot and pray regularly. When you pray regularly, especially if you can observe the hours of prayer regularly, and you have a part of that hour that you really kneel down on your knees before him and, and worship him, seeking his face. Praying Exodus 33, verse 13, 15 and 16, and verse 18 and 19. What will happen with you is that each day you went to the, to the, to the place to pray, you will not see anything. Second day you went to the place to pray, the hour you go on your knees and pray, you will not feel anything. If you continue to do it, you, you see, from the day you decide to do it, an angel is assigned to it. That's what happens. But these angels will continue to monitor you and continue to go with you. The, the reason why God assigned the angel is to strengthen your mortal body to fulfill what you have determined with God. But when you continue, you begin to be taken through journeys. For your first five, seven days, you may be having some nightmares. That is dreams that have no meaning. Because you are passing through the realm of the spirit. But when you overcome and you pass through fifth to seventh day, you begin to have visions. The enemy will try to stop your vision to model it up. But the angels continue to continue to strengthen you to keep on praying. By the time you reach over 12 days to 15 days, you have passed through the realm of, you know, demonic spirits. You have come to the realm approaching the throne. That is heaven. By 21 days, angels can take you on a journey to heaven. You see, each time you go on your knees into that prayer place, the glory increases. The glory increases. And they begin to do cleansing and cleansing and cleansing. And your heart will lock up to it. Once your heart is locked up to it, they can pick you like this, touch you, and you are gone. The first time that I was taken to heaven, you know, glamorously, I was, I was not a pastor. I was still, uh, I was uh, uh, in my 20s, early 20s, I suppose. I just felt concerned about Jesus. And I began to think in my brain that, look, how is Jesus? How can I be serving a God I didn't see? How do you look like all the photographs they were showing us? Can that be him? And I started praying. Nobody taught me, but in my soul, I want to see Jesus. So then, by 21 days, an angel appeared to me and took me to heaven. That was the time I saw Father Abraham. I was allowed to join the company of saints worshiping God in heaven. And when I saw Abraham, I thought it was Jesus. Because it was Jesus I wanted to see. And I was going to kneel down and an angel stopped me and said, do not worship him. This is Father Abraham, the father of faith. I've told you a lot about that and I wrote detail of it in my book with my, on my encounter with the Lord Jesus. But I never fasted one day on that day. But I used to fast from my teenage age Three days every month. 
why we would go and pray for Prophet Obadari in the soul winning group. We go from place to place to do the prayer. But when I was seeking Jesus and he, I began to have an heavenly encounter, it was my heart, not my prayer, not my fasting, but prayer. So prayer brings presence. I'll tell you many more about that later on. Second thing that brings presence is studying the word. Yes, I think I remember I told you I will share an encounter with you about the key to word of knowledge. Let me tell you, one day in 1991 or 92, I was so bothered, so worried in my soul. I haven't operated in prophetic office for years then. I thought as a prophet I should operate in word of knowledge. But I recognize that there are two people I know who operated in word of knowledge very accurately. And that was Pastor Kumui of the uh, um, Deeper Life. And he's just completely a teacher. And then Prophet Higgin, Kenneth Higgin. So I began to convert that grace in those two people. And I began to ask God, what is going on? Why can't I operate like this? And one day, an angel appeared to me in my room here in London and said to me, I want to take you to heaven. Took me off again. When we were going, he said to me that the Lord had told him to bring me. When we got there, the Lord took me and said, come. You have been asking me about the secret of word of knowledge. I want to show you what you should do and you will operate in word of knowledge. And the Lord took me to a place where I've taken me through a few places. Then he took me to a place and he said, look to the earth. And when we looked into the earth, my eyes went straight to Nigeria, to Lagos. I've never been to Pastor Kumui's office, never have I been to Kenneth Hagen. And I saw his office, I saw the building where the office is, and I saw his office, went through like all the corridor, like this 3D stuff, to his office. And it was 12 midnight. And I saw a man who bowed his head down with pain, studying the Bible. Like somebody studying for exam. And I said, and the Lord said, what is he doing? Is Lord, the Lord said, who is that? That man. I said, Pastor Kumui. He said, okay, what is he doing? I said, he's reading the Bible. And the Lord said, he's not reading the Bible. He's studying the Bible. There's a difference between reading and studying. He said to me, that is the secret of the word of knowledge in him. Study the Bible. Don't read it. Then he said, look over there. And I looked, and it was America. And I saw a man in his house. And in his garden, in the day, broad daylight, he was sitting on a chair, this chair that you relax, you know, that you can fold back. To be like a bear. And he had his tool beside him with a glass of water and a bottle. And he had the Bible in his hand and his pen and he was writing. And the Lord said that, who is that man? I said, Kenneth Higgin. He said, yes. He said, what is he doing? I said, he's reading the Bible. The Lord said, no. He's studying the Bible. The Lord said, that's the secret of word of knowledge. Son, don't read the Bible. Study the Bible. And he said, good day. And the angel took me out of the place, back into my body. 
When I got up, I told all my members. And I began to study the Bible and I began to operate in the word of knowledge. The word of God brings presence. Not when you read it, but when you study it. Reading is different from studying. To read is just to look at story. To study is to read with an intention to understand and draw out information for use. Like somebody going to do examination. Yesterday, one of the things I did among you is to help you understand the principle of study. The reason why many people get education wrong and they get the scripture wrong and they apply it wrongly because they do not study. They read the Bible. They have somebody preach something. They think it's a good, it's a new thing. And they go and preach it. You must never do that. You must never. God said in the book of Jeremiah, I hate prophets who pick word from one another and purportedly say that this is my word. He said, let he that dream speak his dream. And he says, let he that speak of me speak as my oracle. So we understand this. So, the study of the word of God brings presence. Another thing that brings presence is fasting. Fasting. You have prayer, you have the word, and you have fasting. I will talk more about fasting in the afternoon. Because there are all manners of uh, teachings that are flying about with fasting. And fasting has been so useless. It is a, it's a holy tool that has been so messed up. I will take you on fasting in the uh, after break. Now those three things attract the presence of God. Now for the rest of today, this morning, let us talk about satanic operations in the last days. In this, those of you who are theologians who have studied and you are current, I will confuse some of your theology by looking at the world only. And because many will watch this tape in the future, and I'm available to any intellectual discussion over this matter. After I finish, you ask questions, and we'll look at it. Now, How can we understand about the last days? The first thing, the answer to that is that we can understand fully about the last days by reverting to the Lord himself, what he said about the last days. Every other thing said by anybody that is not in line with what Jesus said for the last days is not greater. It has no potency. I know that there have been a lot of phenomena and I want to warn us in this, there are many people who have who have emerged from America who call themselves prophets. Some of them are, some of them are impostors. In this conference, I will help you know who are impostors and who are real prophets. But unfortunately, majority of the American prophets who are real prophets have turned to the way of Balaam. When a prophet turned to the will of Balaam, they lie to make money in the name of the Lord. But God will still be using them because Balaam has the authority of God. Okay? I will help us to know this before the end of this meeting. So that we'll be very careful who we follow. For every one of you who believe that God has, has 
sends you to follow me as spiritual sons and daughters. Let me beg you with something. Any man under heaven, no matter what his name or title or position or clout is, if he says anything that I did not teach you, don't implement it until you have asked me. I say that to you. Eli was falling, but he was still the most popular in the country because the country did not know he had fallen. Are you with me? Because if you look at my own life, you will discover that my own fatherhood is different to all of them. All of them. There are some people who, if you don't become their son, they don't want to relate with you. It's not so with me. You don't have to be my son to be related with me. You don't have to be my own offspring to be blessed by me. Of course, those who are offspring are closer to their father. Okay? And their fatherhood definition is very different to the scripture. My fatherhood definition starts and stops in the fatherhood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Period. So if you, if I teach you something, I expect you to question me. How many of them can you question? The day you question them, you are a dead man. I want you to question my authority and question what I teach. Okay? So that you and I can know we are on the right path. And uh, if I'm questioned, you will get the right answer in line to what I've told because I, have, I will not add or delete or malign or pajor or bend the scripture. My eyes have seen the king of glory. One day, an angel appeared to me in my room and took me to heaven. That Lord Rick Mills. And when this angel was taking me to heaven, I was wondering where are we going and what are we going to do. We enter into heaven and it continues to fly in the heavens higher where I've never been. As we flew higher and higher and higher, and we flew to the highest region in the northern hemisphere of heaven. When we landed, I saw a company of angels, cherubs. They were like babies in their, in their stature. They had wings, and they were stand, standing in horseshoe form before the throne. And I looked at the throne. Of the Father. A throne that is so glorious that you cannot penetrate, your eyes cannot penetrate through this delight. But yet he looks so real and so visible. But visible in the mind of those who stand before him. Not tangible as in physical sight. But his visibility is more real than tangible visibility. And then he began to take decisions over nations. And he said, look down in that nation. It was Nigeria. And then he said to an angel, the basket of iniquity of that man is full. Go and take him out. And the cherub flew out of the throne and landed in Asorok of Nigeria. 
And I saw the beast who ruled over Nigeria coming down from the stairs who believed that no one can eradicate him. And the angel put his right, this finger, upon his head and he fell down like a garment. And the angel came back to the throne and said, Father, it is done. And then the father turned to me and said, Go and tell my people in Nigeria not to pray over the nation anymore. For I have heard their groaning. And he said to me, On the 7th of July this year, you will see my hand again in the nation of Nigeria. And then the God, God the Father, called the assembly off. And the angel who picked me, picked me up again, back to the earth. I told the members on that Friday, that man is a dead man. Within 24 hours I spoke, he was dead. I went to Nigeria and told Pastor Dakwa and the rest of them, this man who had gone, on the 7th of 7th, you will see the hand of God. The second one that the hope of the nation was hanging upon was dead on that day. Then I went to the Lord, why did you not tell me this is the man? He said, if I told you, you will pray against it. I then knew by God that when Christians pray against the plans of God, God would hold his plan. Is he not a father with great humor? And he says, I did not let you know it because you will pray against it. And he says to me, look at him. He will take you into doom in the nation of Nigeria. But he was a man Nigeria celebrated. My eyes have seen the King of Glory. Our days are short on earth. Deception in the last days. Matthew 24. If you look at the book of Matthew 24. Hmm. The book of Matthew 24, from verse 4, hey, listen, God told me to tell you this. Every minister who preaches to end up to make money has fallen. As he told me, not amen. And he said to me to tell you, beware of them. Don't go near them. In the month of March, I see them begin to be judged by God in a sort of anger. They fell like ants together with their associates. What is Jehoshaphat doing in the armor of Saul? Listen. Jesus answered, watch out that you are not deceived. The first and the most powerful weapon of Satan in these last days is deception. 
deception. <clears throat> in the next verse, he said, For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Now, the first thing I want us to look at is this is when the disciples of Jesus Christ asked Jesus, what is going to happen? How do we know the, last, the end time? Because the way Jesus was speaking to them, it seemed as if it would happen immediately with them. And Jesus said, watch out that you are not deceived. Now, can I say this to you, ministers of God? Deception is, it can be seen or defined as deviation from the truth. Deception. If there is no truth, therefore, that could not be deception. So, an act of deception is an act of trying to malign the truth. Giving you a counterfeit rather than the real thing. But then counterfeits will always look like the real. Counterfeit will be so packaged like the real. But they are short-lived. Because though they look like the real, they do not have the potency of the real. Sometimes counterfeit looks more enticing than the real. Because the packaging of the real may look not very fanciful. You know, counterfeit would behave like the real. But the end of it is hopelessness. When Jesus says, watch out that you, you may not be deceived, I think we can begin to look further into what the Holy Spirit wrote through the apostles when they explained the word deception. In the book of first, in the book of uh, uh, first Timothy chapter four verse one, it says the Spirit clearly says that in the latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Now we understand here that the Deception here is now divided into two arms. Paul in this scripture told us that the manifestation of deception shall be done through two entities. The first entity are deceiving spirits, which are some messengers from hell. It's a clarification of a group of demons. These demons will go out to deceive people. Alright? Then, the second spirit that the church must be careful about are the spirits that we teach on pulpits. Demonic teaching. Now, can I say something to us? When we say demonic teaching... All right, and deceiving spirits. If you think that this is talking about occults, you made a mistake 
Because Jesus has said that the deception is against the church. So he told the church to watch out. I'm not looking at the signs of the end. Tonight, I will look at that. Okay? But I'm looking at the manifestation of Satan in the last days. Satan has prepared two categories of evil spirits. The first one are spirits that come into church, whisper into people's ear, and the people will begin to have thoughts. They begin to do those things. The spirit that will come in and whisper to a husband, he will suspect the wife. The wife will suspect the husband for no reason. Before you know it, suspicion had led to action. Marriage is broken. When God said, you should not break your marriage. Demons that come into the church, deceive members, and one member talk to the other member, and the other member talk to the other member. And before you know it, rebellion has been spread around them. Everyone who is a victim of them, after those demons have shipwrecked them, and they have gone away from their place of blessing, and they start suffering, they wake up one day to look at, why did I really do that? They cannot tell. Because they are deceiving spirits. I read to you from the book of Jude yesterday that some will come into your midst. Verse 4 says that. They will slip into your midst, isn't it? You remember? But they will have a form of godliness. So you will approve of them. You will appoint them. And before you know it, they will begin to deceive people. Deceive people. They are deceiving spirits. I will say to you that deceiving spirits does not only attack church members. They attack the ministers. They make a church member to misbehave and they make a minister to begin to think about many reasons why he would have done that. When you are thinking about why somebody had done an act, and you have no access to his true mind, how much do you think you will help God? So if, I want, if you did something that I don't like, if I want to know it, how do I do? Let me ask God about it. If God doesn't tell me that this is the reason why you did it, this is what you mean in your heart, it doesn't matter any thought that comes to me is from the devil. Listen to me. Counterfeit is very, very similar to the truth. Okay? When you start thinking, it will look as if God is the one speaking to you. How do you know God speaking? Whatsoever is good, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is of good report, if there be any virtue of praise, consider. God does not dwell on the, the misbehavior of members. He doesn't dwell on that. God doesn't dwell on that. He had told you it will happen, so when it happened, he does not talk about it. When you sit down and begin to think about what somebody had done, and then you go from one thought to the other, and from one thought to the other, you are under the influence of deceiving spirits. They will gradually take you out of grace. What should we do in our time? <laughs> I think I've been talking about it. Why should a believer not access the heart of God? If God doesn't speak, then leave him alone. If he speaks, then you speak. 
Listen to me. But you can know the mind of a man by connecting with the spirit that created the mind of that man. Not by listening to the saving spirit. The saving spirit will sincerely lead you to shipwreck. But I say this to you. How the Bible reveals to us about the saving spirit, he also spoke about demonic teaching, which means that demons will speak from pulpits. Okay? For demons to speak from pulpits, he must invade the mind of ministers. Now let me say this to you. Only two ways are available to the devil to achieve this. Only two ways and no other way. One way is by sending his own messengers who are witch doctors and the rest of them who just come and say that I'm also a pastor. And they will start church. Or call themselves bishop. Or call themselves apostle. Call themselves prophet. And they will start church. And they will be manifesting in counterfeit power. I will look at that in a minute. And you know in, in Christendom today, especially Pentecostal church, the moment somebody is performing miracle, it is so, so stupidly, I mean, this is the most stupid thing ever done in this Pentecostal movement. Somebody's performing miracle, you will see them from all over the world. They are going to the place. What is making ministers going to a person or a place where they are performing miracle? Because they themselves, they have been deluded in their mind by the devil. You can perform miracle. You heard that somebody's performing miracle. Then you left your place going to when Jesus has warned you that you must not do that. Listen to me. Satan will send his own messengers who will just change their name one night. They will perform miracles, but they are counterfeit. You need to look behind the veil. They will pull crowd by demons. Demons, Ephesians chapter 2, 3 tells you, those who are in the world are under the control of the devil. Satan will just say, move them. All the demons will move the people. They will run to the church. The church overnight will blow up into tens of thousands. Satan knows that a lot of fools in the church follow crowd and follow signs and wonders. Let me say something. That's the reason why in Nigeria the whole church of God is held ransom by one useless man called to be Joshua. A witch doctor known. And yet he's a threat to all the anointed men. He's poaching from their churches daily. Why are people why do people leave Pentecostal church to go to a liar? I will tell you why. They were in the Pentecostal church, but they did not know their God. All the message there is what sent them to go to the other man. If our message is based on miracle, based on deliverance, based on prosperity... And now they now had a man who can perform miracles more than you. So why should they stay with you? You have told them that God is miracle. Miracle is God. Full stop. And if it is prosperity, prosperity, they now met a man who is giving them free food and perform miracle. And you cannot afford it. 
So where would they go? They would rather go to that man who is performing the miracle and who can give them food. Though transport free, though if it, if it donate their blood, it doesn't matter. So you understand, therefore, more messengers of such will emerge among us. Okay? Let me tell you something. One day somebody called me. I wanted to invite a minister. He passed through London. I said, okay, when he comes, I would want to just invite him because I've heard very good things about him. And when he came, and eventually whoever, you know, no, he called. His, his PA called. I said, tell him to speak to me. When he spoke to me, he said, well, he said, you know, I, Apostle, well, I've heard good about you too and stuff. I would like to come and pray, you know, minister with you or people. I'm just passing through London. And he said to me that if you have any sick person, bring all the sick people and go, you know, there will be miracles and stuff like that. And when he was talking to me, I was looking at him. I was listening to him. So when he finished, I told him that, brother, my first time of meeting you, I said, how many dead have been raised in your ministry? Oh, he said, no dead have been raised yet, but, you know, we see miracles and stuff like that. You know, if they come, they'll be healed and stuff. And I told him that nine dead bodies have been raised in my ministry. I don't need miracle. I need those who will teach my people how to see vision. How to hear God. I need those who will teach my people a message that will cause their heart to run in righteousness. As if for miracle, we see it every day. If any sick is in my meeting, it's not healed. God didn't want to heal him. That's, that's, that's the problem. He doesn't have to be healed. If I have sickness in my body, if the Lord does not heal me, I will leave the sickness alone and I will do the will of God. I would mean that. So I told the man, you made a blunder. Because you said that, I can associate with you. Because you are one of those who have been perverted. You are genuinely called by God, but you are a baby. I want mature people to come and teach my I want people to teach my people their experience and encounters with God and show us in the Bible. So that my people will, when the person leaves, my people will, for days and months, they'll be seeking the face of God. If I pass through any church, the trade I want to leave there is that. Somebody to be so angry with himself and just go into seeking God. If I leave your cripple, cripple, and go, but I achieve your cripple to seek God, I have done better than raising him from that infirmary. You know? So you have these human beings who are mixed with us today. And many of us have accepted them as ministers of God. But the second way Satan will teach from pulpits is through us who are genuinely called. But we have associated with wrong influence. Let me tell you over the period, the areas of deception of the pulpit. I wrote some down. You will know many more than me anyway. Demons have mounted the pulpit. The organization they are used is called Pentecostal Church. Oh yes, this is that season. The first area of error is the area of deliverance. Demonic teaching. The second area of strong 
error is the area of generational curses. And then we go to the general curses. Then we go to the area of finance. Deliverance. Generational curses. Hmm? Then general curses. Curses as a whole. Then in the area of offering, they have introduced all manners of giving in church because of the fact that they just want to create avenues to make money. And all these givings emerge from the Old Testament. One of them that is very strong in Nigeria now is redemption of firstborn. Is from the pit of hell. It's demons that taught the man who brought it. You know, I am praying this year that God will permit me to go into the conference where all these teachers are. They are my friends. I know them. They know me. But over the years, God has not permitted me in their association. But this year, I will go in there because he had permitted me. Where we will look at the scripture, I will teach before them sitting and show them the error. What is the, what is the gravity of teaching error? Hell. After death. Hell. God will not have mercy on anybody who perpetrates error or who associates with error. No matter how God used you on earth, your work will not be recognized. The Bible says so. Look at that. Now, redemption of firstborn is an error. In the era of giving, there are some people who have taught people whenever they would take offering, they would tell the people that this very offering, God has told me that this is the very offering that will make this, and this is the offering that will get this. God never speaks that. Your mind is the one. Anytime you feel like that, it's your mind or an evil spirit. God of heaven never says anything that he had not written. Because he said, so in the morning, in the evening do not hold your hand. You do not know whether this or that. So when did God change his theology? That he would tell you or I. This is the one that will bring the offering. So you understand that by basic reason of God, it is wrong. It looks correct, but it's not. That is kind of it. You know, many years ago, we don't talk about seed. When we talk about offering. We give our offerings to the Lord. We give our tithes. We give our offerings. We give various offerings. Thanksgiving offering, we give, we give vows, you know, when we make a vow with God. And we are taught about these things. And we read it in the scripture. And sometimes we are looking for something from God. We make a vow. And God will do it. We pay the vow. And God will do more. 
But America is the one who came up with all manners of giving. Now let me tell you this. There is a teaching when we, where they began to identify the giving of a man is a seed. The Bible says so. And that is correct. Okay? <clears throat> but this is what the error is. When someone says that you should sow a seed for healing, you need to think twice. How many people did Jesus pray for to be healed that he demanded from them first to sow a seed? None. In the whole of New Testament, how many apostles of the gospel saw a sick person? <clears throat> or in their meeting conducting, <clears throat> they say you must sow a seed first to be healed. None. Therefore, it is a deceiving spirit doctrine. Let me say this about healing. What does the Bible say about healing? When, when you begin to worship God and you are moving the power of the Holy Spirit, He heals people. Isn't it? Now, who among you fathers will charge your son for coming to eat in your house? That son, for you to take your lunch today, I as your father, I have provided the lunch. You have to sow a seed to me to eat the lunch. It doesn't look reasonable. Now healing is God's money, God's own Food and privilege is given to his, his children. Somebody paid the price by his blood on Calvary. And the only thing he demanded from the one who received his faith in him. You look at the first miracle in the book of Acts chapter 3. When Peter commanded that cripple to walk. And people gathered and they were excited. He said, do, do not think that it is by our own power that this man had walked. But faith in the name of Jesus. What about if somebody is healed and he gives? Yes, people can give to God. Out of the joyful heart that the Lord had done this to me, they can bless God. Out of a joyful heart that God used a minister of God to bless them for anything, they can bless the minister. But woe to the minister that make a demand from a man on behalf of God to get what God had freely given. That is demonic. God hates it. God doesn't want you and I to help him. He doesn't want it. God hates it. There was a, a minister who tried to help God. God smote him dead. You know him. Perez Uzzah. Uzzah was slaughtered by God because he thought he would help God. And they call that place Paris Susan now. So therefore, in giving, there's a lot of error. Let me say this to you. There's another error that is subtle. When we say that, give this offering and place a demand on it. Let me say this to you. The common sense of it is that you, you have raised your child, he's graduated, he's working in a good company, and he's earning money. And then out of the money that he's earning, your child came home and said, Daddy, you know, uh, Mommy, this is Valentine. Uh, Mommy and Daddy, I want to give you this money, but I'm placing demand that uh, when, you give, when I give you this money, I believe you to give me a car. 
How does that sound? So, so, so. Now let me tell you this. Did the Bible not say God loves a shameful giver? Someone read the book of Malachi. Stand up and read in Mark chapter 1. About the priests and the ministers. Somebody just read it in any version. Can you find it? Yes. A prophecy is a prophecy the word of the Lord to Israel. What is happening here? One minute. I want us to follow this. I want to talk about ministers and offerings. Yes. The prophecy, the word of the Lord. What version are you reading? An oracle. The word of the Lord to Israel. What is happening? Give him the one that the choir gave him. No, he didn't switch it off. No, he's not holding it. He didn't switch it off. It's too loud. Your master, your feather. Mm-hmm. The word of the Lord to Israel through Balakai. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you ask, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob. But Esau I have hated, and I have turned his hill country into a wasteland, and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Hedom may say, though we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish. Come on now. Listen to this. God demolish what his children did. Mm-hmm. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You will see it with your own eyes and say, Great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. Mm-hmm. As the son honors his father, and a slave is master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you, priests, who shows contempt for my name. Stop. Priests can show contempt for the name of the Lord. Read for them. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering the five food on my altar. You place the five food on my altar. Uh-huh. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. Mm-hmm. 
when you offer blind animals for sacrifice, mm-hmm. is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame and diseased animals, is that not wrong? Mm-hmm. Try offering them to your governor. Mm-hmm. Will he be pleased with you? Mm-hmm. Will he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Yes. Now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Hold it. They will recognize that God doesn't accept all offerings. Read verse 14. Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable meal in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Amen. Let me read chapter 2. If you look at this scripture here, the first one you read, two things, major things. God was speaking to the priests and he was speaking to the people in their area of offering. Alright? Now if you look at chapter 2, God zeroes straight into the priests. It says, and now this admonition is for you, O priests. If you do not listen and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you, minister. And I will curse your blessing, minister. You ever say, yes, I have cursed them because you have set, you have not set your heart to honor me. So, there is something about God expecting honor from priests. When I tell you that God is telling me that everybody, some people here should sow a seed of 100 pounds, 100 pounds, 100 pounds. Do I honor him? Does my God beg? Does that sound like God? God can never say that. He had never said it. There are 20 of you who should bring 1,000 pounds. God don't say things like that. If God came here as a father, he will speak about your need. And what he will do to it. Your need. What he will do to it. Your need. And what he will do to it. And he will attend to those needs. Word of knowledge. That sees those who will give money. Is from Lucifer. Every minister who says. Are falling. If you don't understand me today. When we all die you will understand. But I wish you do understand. That is the reason why, if you look at the records of all the ministers who do that, the money they fraudulently take from people, they only spend it on themselves. Now Nigeria is in big trouble because all of them are buying jets. Not only jets, but boasting of it. When the Bible says, let he that had money boast not of his money. If God blesses a man, the spirit behind the blessing 
will not permit the man to boast of it. When a man boasts of material things, the source that brought it is not a divine one. Money speaks. I taught you about this three weeks ago. Money speaks. All right? God said it. So the language of money determines the source of it. You know, when these things are taught, they look good, but they are not. You have to check whether they look good. Let me give you an understanding about giving. Go, let's go straight to the book of Second Corinthians chapter 8. This will help us in our further teaching on this. You know, in CFT, let me tell you something. When we want to take offering, we, we, most times we just tell people where it's offering time and that's it. It is good to teach people about giving, but help them please, based on your teaching on this scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 8. If I read from verse 1 very quickly so that we understand. And now, brothers, we want you to, to know about the grace that has been given to Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. The first thing you must understand is Paul is talking about a giving church. Which means that there are churches that are not giving church. And he said that this church has grace. What about the ones who are not giving church? They have to be taught. Because a church that is not a given church will remain a poor church. Financially poor. They will have big dreams. They can never fulfill it. So many people go there will never be able to amount to anything financially. Because the principle of giving is that the measure with which you give, it will be met to you. Isn't it? Now, the second thing it says here, it says, you know, when it talks about their, you know, uh, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, world out your generosity. What he's saying there is that that poverty is not saying that they are poor. It says that their extreme poverty Give back to your regionality. What he's saying is that the the demonic sacrifice, their sacrificial giving, made provision for you. They have to make themselves poorer by sending the money they should use for their base to you, so that you can be richer and do what you want to do. I will give now. So these guys are not poor, but he says here, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able. And even beyond their ability, you need to teach your church, you must give what you are able, and you must go beyond your ability. This is the scripture. Then it says, for I testify, no, yeah, about the, uh, it says, for I testify that they gave much and were, and uh, even beyond their ability, on their own, on their own, not by somebody preaching Psalm 140 and telling them to pay 140 pounds. They gave it on their own. Not by somebody saying that somebody here, God is saying to me that some people here, 10 people here will give a thousand pounds. They are liars. Giving has to be by the volition of the giver. 
Look, verse 3 says, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service of sins. You must raise a church who is eager whenever there is a, 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 a duty to do, a, you, know, you know, a help somewhere and they need to pay for something, they are eager to do it. But you know, I will tell you how you can raise a church. Very, very simple. You know, these people are people who, when when there is an opportunity of giving, everybody rally around and they make sure it happens. Because they recognize that God needs money and they don't want to put God to shame. They decided to cover the shame of God. Let me say this to you. They don't need to pray for wealth. They don't need to pray for wealth. Wealth will come like a flooding stream. But that is a church that truly loves God. Look at what he's saying here. By their own. Verse 5. Uh, no, verse 4. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service, in this service, to the saints. So, yeah, we, we recognize formally that it is grace, but giving is an act of service. Remember what I taught you yesterday? The Holy Spirit gives you gift. Jesus calls you to service, and God works through you. We see that? Five. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and what? And then to us, in keeping with, you can see what a, a, a true church is. If, when we were, when we were young, in CAC, Olu, I grew up there. You had the old manners of people there. You had people that when it's given time, they'll be arguing. I belong to a group called Blessed Christian Association. Maybe that's why I'm blessed. You know something about my group? My group were not highly educated people, but they were businessmen. We have another group called Onward, who are highly educated people. When it's time for us to give, we, our group at the Onward, we will compete. Okay? I remember one day, our pastor, they wanted to buy a B2 for the pastor. And the cream of the society in the church said, why should we give pastor a, a, a a, a, a car. It basically is not for him. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you the truth. My father is in the in the council. My father and only two or three of said, "No, this man has served here for 20 years. All of you have Mercedes Benz. Some of you have two Mercedes Benzes. You live in big mansion. This man lives in this little room for 20 years." Before his eyes, all of you went to England to be educated. He took care of the home. You came back and you became big people. And they said no. So, the news got to the ears of my group. I was young in the group then. There's one brother in my group. He prays so much. But when it comes to giving, what he would do is that he would tell the church administrators i want to we, we want to know how much these onward people give 
So why all of us are giving, we want to, we want to beat our word in giving. And all what have this ego that they are the senior. When they finish their giving, the last minute, he will just write a check to double all they are giving. <laughs> he will write a check. to the, All of us give. He will give last. He is one who told the church, announce what they give. Everybody what they give. So when they now announce our own word have given X amount, he will just send a check to them. Exactly that money will double. Because the unworthy people, they don't want to give. They are stingy. And they are blessed. But you know what happened in, in the church? This man who always does that. So when they were talking about the pastor, and he came to him, he just called another man who he trained in the same trade. He said, forget about them. He said, he, he's obviously going and look for a project. That let them give the pastor anything they want to give him. They should give him. And when they went and looked for Pujot, he bought it. When the pastor was going, forget about whatever they gave him. He gave him the key. Today, that man, I think he should be the Dakota of the Western region. He is so rich. He, he is not academically educated, but professors work in his industry. He has the biggest drug industry in Nigeria. Saying all the houses he built, there's no bank money. In Lagos, he first built uh, about seven stories or so. In his, country, in his own town, he built about 15 stories or so. He is the only one who his business is debt free that I know. He doesn't learn money from bank. He pays cash for all he has. I live with him. I saw him. And I knew him. Anytime when he's at his prayer. Anytime we're with him in his prayer. And Satan battled him. But God excelled him for his giving habit. Really, when I was going to wed, he came to me and said to me that... Uh, then I wasn't the pastor. He said, I don't know what you are planning for a wedding. He said, but I've told my driver, one of my drivers, I just bought uh, a Range Rover. Brand new. He doesn't use a car more than two years. He buys them from Germany. and Brand new. When it's two years, he sells it. He has about three cars at a time. And this time around, he just bought the, the Range Rover. And in those days, you know, Range Rovers are not many in Nigeria. Anybody who has not ranged cannot reach Range Rover. <laughs> so, so, and he just gave me the driver. I told my wife that, well, I have this car from him. One of my uncles gave me his own Mercedes Benz, but he gave me his Range Rover with his driver, corporate driver. And that car was with me for three days. And when I finished all my wedding the second day and i said to him that i finished he said no he said in case i need him he should take me to church on sunday for my thanksgiving and everything is done and then they should when they finish everything they should return he said i don't need it the hand of a giver 
You see, what we need to do is this. The Bible says they gave themselves first. People who don't give to God, they don't know him. People who don't give to God, they don't love him at all. You know the kind of love many people have for God is the love of take, 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 take. Give me, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. <laughs> but to build a church like that is to teach them Jesus. So that every individual who knows Jesus, who falls in love with Jesus, who knows that when they die, all their world will be taken by the Antichrist. There are people who have wealth in Nigeria, I know. They died and their riches did not reach their children. Some people rose up and their children ran away from their family house. Because they don't know God. They don't know Jesus, isn't it? So it's in Aronet when no one wants to chase it. Now if you look at this scripture, let me finish it. He said they did not do, verse 5, they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first. So it's a matter of giving yourself first. And then to us, in keeping with God's will, people who take care of ministers of God is because they have given themselves to God. You will find them in churches. There are some people in your church who your welfare is their life. Is their life. Look, in this church, let me tell you, this is the church. Nobody knows who does what. But there are some people in this church, if I think at home, that Lord, ah, I need this money for this. When I come to church on that Sunday, they will come to me. They, what I thought, exact amount, they will give it to me. They will give it to me. It happens again and again. Look, Pastor Sidney is there, isn't it? He was there. There is somebody in this church. Pastor Sidney is the one who receives, is the treasurer with the rest of them. Every month, this person, having given his tithe, his offering, he will write a check in my name and he will put it in their offering bag. And when, it, when the treasurer counts the money, they see it, they know the man. They know the check. They don't know the man. The person, they will just take the check and say, ah, your son has given. <laughs> Listen to me. He said, your son has given this. Who is he today? Only the one who sent me know him. In this church. What about the day I felt that in my mind? Not telling people, ah, I've had enough of this shoe. The following week, somebody will give me a shoe. Yes. Some people look at me and say that you wore this clothes, we've seen you wore this clothes about a few times and they give me money. Look, when I announce I'm going to Nigeria, somebody will come and say that, ah, that the, the place you are going now, take this for your maintenance. I've never gone anywhere without having money from the house. People who had, who gave. They had and they gave. As one of them, one day I caught that person who was doing the act. He said, I said, ah, so you had the one doing this one. She said to me, she said, Daddy, you know, I always think about you. She said, when I came to this church, I don't know my left or my right. She said, I'm successful in my career now. She said, what I can, can I do to pay you? I don't have father. But you see, what I'm saying to you is this. 
If you spend your heart to raise men to know God, when they connect with their God, they will flow to you. When there is a need in the church, I've known some people, when we were going to do some projects in this church, they gave so much, then they wept. They wept that. I asked them, why why are you crying? They said that I wish I can do more. But this is all I have. Because we see, I have wanted. When we are building this place, I told my church that we will not ask anybody for money. Because if I go and ask you for money, I will take your blessing to people. And those who build this place gave, gave, gave until the place was built. When I looked at all this yesterday, we've just spent 2.2 million on renovation only. 2.2 million pounds is 400 something thousand naira. Point five billion naira. Just on renovation. But you see, when we say give, okay, for people to give, they must have first given themselves to the Lord. If people are taught and they connect with God, when God has a need, they give. Not only that, they give to one another. Let me say this to you, Pastor. You can go and compete in your church. In this church, formerly, somebody's father died. People will contribute money. Mommy just came one day and said, No, stop it. That's not a good way to do things. If somebody's father died, don't contribute money. When others have need, if that person had not given, then he should not receive. And I found that to be equitable. By God. It is the principle of God. Give, it shall be what? So why should we give to somebody who doesn't give to others? If when the father of the others died, you give them five pounds, they should give you five pounds when your father died. <laughs> oh yes, that's the truth. So to say that we're a group, we will be, no, church is not a society. We give only to God. And we give to those who give. So that's not a church edict. So if somebody's father died or mother died, you have no problem. If when their own father died, the only thing you give them is, oh, sorry. So you two are supposed to receive, oh, sorry. <laughs> you should receive double sorry. Somebody is having a birthday. You went and gave them a card. So when you are doing your birthday too, you get two cards. And then you went there after your card to go and eat. So, that's when you come and sit down. If you don't give them this, you ask you, where is the food? <laughs> Whatsoever a man so it, that is the position. So, if you look at the scripture, therefore, that scripture, read it down. If you get to verse 9, it talks about a principle. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was made, he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor, so that you, you, through his poverty, might become rich. God wants us to be rich. But the way of being rich to God is giving to God. It is how much you can give to God. Some of us pastors sell our properties to sow into the church, so that church can be built. I want to say this to you. When this church began, we didn't have any money. The first money I got, I went to buy an amplifier for the church. 
The first guitar of this church, I bought it from my own money. You know, the church, you cannot pay me salary. So I was working to earn it. Every money we have in my house, we are putting it into the church. We are putting it into the church. We are putting it into the church. This is how this church was built. Look at this list today. Am I the one who built this? No. If you are a giver, God will bring you givers. All of them may not be givers. Those who are not, by teaching them, one after the other, they will change. Because the givers we continue to have in the church. Promotion they be getting, increase they be getting, supply they be getting. Where those who do not give, even if they are well placed, they will suffer. People need to know this. Look at that. It says, and here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Did you get this now? Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched with your completion of it. According to your word, means not according to credit card. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. According to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed. But that this might be equal, there may be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need. If you look at this scripture, it tells you and I. God can never tell somebody to give what he doesn't have. There are some people who say that give what you don't have. God is not the one speaking. Widow's might is not small money. Widow's might is all she had in her saving. And the Bible didn't tell us how much. But she put all her saving. That is her might. Okay? Put everything. If you look at this, therefore, this is the template that can correct the error of giving. If the willingness is there, the offering is accepted. But where people are told that, you know, God is saying 10,000 people, 10 people here who are giving uh, uh, 1,000 pounds, there are 100 people here, I, I'm not going to go down, I'm not going to go down, you know, from that 1,000 pounds, 50 people, 50 people, 50 people, 50 people, 50, 50, 50, and then people didn't come out and say, okay, uh, 20 now for 500 pounds. You and I know that it is stupid to believe them. They are liars. If God said 1,000 and he said 50, then the 50 should have showed up. Their own God never gets it right because they are demons sent out to teach demonic teaching. You know, before, I, I'll move away from this now because I just want to get through the rest of it. One of my spiritual fathers one day went to heaven that was in the early 70s. When he went to heaven, on that trip, the Lord took him to 
a place that looks like a bank in heaven. And the Lord said to him that all the money you give on earth come to your account. And he began to show him the account of members of the church. Some people's bank is zero. Some people have little. Some people have a lot. Unfortunately, the poor in the church are the ones who have most. All the rich people in the church, some of them have nothing. Some of them have very little. So he now asked the Lord, why? These people are rich. I expect their account to be big. The Lord said, look at their record on earth. Look at that poor woman. She tithes. Look at this rich man. He doesn't. He said the church is run by the diligence of the poor. But those who are so rich don't. He said, ask them how much is your money in the bank of heaven. And they brought him back. When he came back, he wrote the book. How much is your money in the bank of heaven? The money we give you, I go there. It goes to a record. Measured by our hearts. The substance and the heart which we should give. And people who always have this heart, oh my God, oh my God, I wish I get better. God will let you through the period of testing. But when he opens the door, I tell you something, people will marvel, but it will certainly make provision. Okay? Okay. Let me quickly take you through. We're looking at satanic influences. I will just read all this through now. Because we're talking about errors. One of the areas of satanic operations too, we're talking about demonic teachings and influence of demons. I gave you given, right and wrong given, ministers and adultery, sexual immorality, is one of the major influences of Satan in the church today. And the last one is the doctrine of grace. We go deeper into this. There are some people who believe that you are saved by grace and that's it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. God does everything in you. It's a false doctrine. In several places of the scripture, it says, make every effort to. You have an effort to make. You are not saved to misbehave. Holy Spirit will not change your behavior. You will change your behavior. Then Holy Spirit will help you. Look, if you used to be a womanizer before uh, or somebody who loves to sleep around, when you get born again, that's in you. is still there. That's the scripture. That's the reason why a prostitute get born again will still see men and still feel like. Okay? How does she overcome it? By resisting that 
thought and rebuking it, then the Holy Spirit will come in and help. But you will not say the Holy Spirit will come in and help you when you have not decided to. The Bible says, resist ye the devil. It is not Holy Ghost who resists the devil. No, you resist the devil. Well, Romans 12 says, present ye your body as what? It is not Holy Ghost who presents your body. You are the one who will present your body. So, in the area of grace, there is a useless doctrine flying around, which you must be aware of and not follow. Now, let's complete other strategies of Satan. Deception, I have to speak about it a lot, because deception is the most powerful tool of the devil. Okay. How will Satan... Uh, what, what are the means by which Satan achieved this deception? Look at Second Peter 2. Well, you just write down 1 to 3. It says, But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. So in the olden days, Satan used false prophets. In our time, he's using false teachers. Are we together now? Second Peter 2, 1 to 3. Now let's look at the first prophet of the old. They will just come and prophesy, isn't it? And people will run about, run with it. Eventually it's wrong. But in our own time, Satan changes tactics. Though we see our first prophet, and people can know them easily. All these false prophets will tell you, you know, the time that you ate yesterday, uh, your address of your house, uh, the name of your mother, the name of your father, um, the date of your birth, your phone number. All prophets who do that are false prophet you know because if you are in a false prophet if somebody is trying to impress you that he's speaking of god then it's false prophet because prophecy comes out of the mouth of the prophet without the without the permission of the prophet god speaks to man through man involuntarily and our god is not in the business of trying to help you believe that i am god before he's talking to you no 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 no, no. when he talks what he says will prove that he's god so if somebody is telling you the telephone number of somebody, they are mediums. And it's very easy to achieve that. If you take a wig me and you rub it with water under the back of calabash, put it in put the water together, wash your face, you will see telephone number of people. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah forever. I learned a little from my father. Awake me. But when you wash with your mouth, face and uh, you begin to see, those who reveal to you, they will follow you home. And when they begin to manifest in your house, you can't tell them that they shouldn't because you have attracted them. They are called ghosts. Devil ghosts. Eh? <laughs> so now, let's just finish this and we'll go for our break now. So, they will secretly introduce you, just as they, 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 they were first brothers among you, they will secretly introduce you to destructive heresies. And in this case, all this wrong teaching, something that will bring you money, they bring another teaching out of it. If they, that one go bankrupt, they will bring another teaching. All this 24 hours miracle, and all this, uh, you know, so they said, now you get it, but you are going tomorrow. All those stuff, they came from that. They, the, those, you know, they are heretic. Even denying the sovereignty of the Lord, who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. 
Many will follow their shameful ways. Did you see this? And we must be very careful. And will bring the way of truth into disrepute. That's what I will warn you ministers. In their greed, underline the word greed, you will discover these guys are greedy. These teachers will exploit you. That's what they do. Preach Psalm 140 and tell you that God is telling you to bring one for the pound seed. Preach Psalm 120 and say multiple of 120. Those things are greed. End of the day, they use all this stuff again upon themselves to, to, to lavish on their wealth. And it says, Many will follow their shameful way and will bring the way of the, of, of the truth to disrepute. In their greed, the, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Do you see that? All those things they say, God said, God said, God said, God didn't say it. It's their stories. But this is the result. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. Everyone that followed them will partake in the rot. That's why you mustn't follow them. Look at people who follow those people, they'll keep on taking from you. They never give you a penny. That's their own principle. They are, because the Bible says they are greedy. Is grab, 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 grab from everybody. That's it. And shut the door against them. You can't have access to them. Even those who they grab from, they can't have access to them. If you look at the world today, Pentecostal movement is filled with those teachers. Good talk, but no power. Good talk, no encounter. And every good talk end up in money. Every preaching end up in an offering. Those of you who follow me, listen to me. Jesus told me that I shouldn't do what he had not, I've not seen him do. And I pass that on to you as well. When we do seminar, we don't charge people for seminar. This seminar you are, we don't charge people for it. Everywhere under heaven. If I do seminar, I don't charge. If they do a conference that they will charge people for registration, if my name is in the conference, I tell the conference person I'm not coming. Oh, someone says that we have to bless the ministers. Yes. We bless the ministers from free will offering. Why did I not? Jesus told me that what you didn't see me do, don't do it. The last crusade we went to do in Lagos, where we were going, the Lord told me, He said to me that, Have you seen me collect offering when I do an open air? I said, No, sir. He says, Don't do it. He said offerings should be collected in your own meeting in the church. When you have closed door meeting, you can collect offering. But when you are outside, you are going to the world. Give to them. Give. Give. And he said to me, and I will bless you. He is the God who had provided the lamb before he demanded the son to be slaughtered. He is the one who have provided the upper room before he sent them ahead. The donkey to fulfill his prophecy was bought and it was never written according to the prophetic. Nobody knew it until the minute the prophetic should be fulfilled and he sent them to the other village to go and untie it. It is the same Christ yesterday, today, and forever. 
What I want this generation to do is this. We want to be a generation that Satan will be frustrated about us. That everything he had done to the others, he cannot penetrate in any way to us. Because in God we are smart. To the world we are foolish. But to the master, we are the gems. We will change the face of the earth for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just stand up together. Father, we thank you so much for this session. I pray for all your ministers and your saints. May the grace of heaven be upon you. May the Lord increase us in his in-depth knowledge. May the Lord prove himself beyond our wildest dream in the things that we do as it turns our heart towards his heart. In Jesus' anointed name we are prayed. Would you like to be part of a vibrant church in the midst of beautiful, awe-inspiring surroundings? Christ Faith Tabernacle at the CFT Cathedral Woolwich is now open for all. Apostle Alfred Williams, apostolic leader to churches around the globe, warmly invites you to come and be part of this incredible move of God. Every Sunday at 10 a.m., 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London. In our beautiful, recently refurbished cathedral, we are seeing miracles happen, people healed, needs are met, lives are transformed. The Word of God is preached with power through Apostle Alfred Williams. I wanted to know this, that there is a God in heaven who has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, and by Him, anyone who believes in Him, carry the very authority of God which, with which He created the heavens and the earth. Jesus said, freely you receive and freely give. I want to say this to you. Stop going around to people. Kneel down where you are. Talk to the God who created the heavens and the earth in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and you will receive your miracle now. And be sure not to miss our two life-changing events. Overcomers Night Vigil. Hear the voice of God. Receive life-changing teaching. Be lifted through dynamic worship. Become an overcomer on the last Friday of every month at 7pm. And also come and celebrate with us at our exciting monthly victory nights. Receive your breakthrough. Be empowered to win. Come and claim your victory on the first, second and third day of every month. Whatever age, nationality or background you are from, there is something very special for you at the Christ Faith Tabernacle Cathedral Woolwich. Every Sunday at 10 a.m., 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE18 6NL.